This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 78, The Cubs, Summer of 23. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Brendan King, play-by-play voice for the South Bend Cubs, to see how the year went for the 2022 defending Midwest League champions. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm happy to have on our old friend Brendan King, play-by-play voice of the South Bend Cubs. Brendan, how are you doing tonight, buddy? What's up, Crawley? Thanks for having me, as always. Oh, it's it's been a, you know some crazy postseason baseball. I miss uh, the Cubs, and I miss the minor league affiliates, but uh, mm-hmm. we got some AFL ball going on, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's right in the thick of it, too, and a good wealth of former South Bend Cubs are in it. I think everybody but one that the Cubs sent out to the Arizona Fall League was a former South Bend Cubs, so that's a pretty good pedigree right there. Absolutely. And, and you know, when I looked at this season, the 2023 season, I thought for Lance Frimal, can you imagine you're a manager in the very first year and you win this championship? How do you follow that up? That's a great question. I think we asked him that right away, but I think he is the type of guy, he's so even keeled and cool and his players know what to expect, but he also expects a lot of his players. So yeah, I think anybody would tell you that we wish we could have won a few more ball games this year, but man, I work with a guy like Lance winning it a championship when he's 31 going into 32. I mean, that guy is such a bright future and Crowley, I think he can do whatever he wants, whether if he has aspirations to be a big league manager, I think he can go do it. If he wants to be a base coach that very well can come true, but don't forget he's a former catcher in the Cubs system too. So I think maybe someday even a catching coordinator position could be in his. Yeah. We, we just had one of those open up. What, What a coincidence. Um, you know, uh, there is a uh, there was also, though, in his staff this year, new pitching coach Clayton Mortensen. Tell me about Clayton. Man, just another former big leaguer to add to the fold. And Morty's got a cool story because he pitched for multiple franchises. I mean, heck, he was even a Boston Red Sox member when the Boston bombings happened during the Boston Marathon. So uh, he's a guy that can tell you a lot about his personal life and his professional story. I mean, he, that guy is as driven as anybody I've ever been around because unfortunately him and his wife lost um, a son um, at birth um, or not at birth, but was born and died very young. And um, you know, he, he has used that to really drive his professional career, whether that's as a player and a coach. And yeah, I think it, it showed because not only did the South Bend Cubs pitching staff rank top five in the league in strikeouts, they ranked top five in the league in the least amount of walks. So uh, the pitching staff definitely was able to bring it this year. And Morty's got a good golf game, too. Uh, that guy can just hammer the <laughs> golf ball. And uh, like I was grouped with him a couple of times when we went golfing on the road, and I, I just got embarrassed. So uh, he, if you're going to golf with Morty, you got to really you got to really bring it with the sticks. Well, BK, if you ever need someone to take the embarrassment off, you just invite me and I'll I'll, I'll be the laughing stock. I'm just the driver. Bad, brother, so, uh, <laughs> maybe we should play together. 
you know? Exactly. <laughs> now, I, di- I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to see you at spring training. I think we just missed crossing paths. But, you know, when, when, when spring training ends and the rosters come out and I took a look at everything, it was like, oh, you guys did have a lot of guys returning. You know, um, when you looked at Cole Franklin and Luke Little and uh, you, you had uh, Casey Opitz and Kevin Made and Fabian Petrus and Johandra Pinego, like, you know, names that people were familiar with. Um, you know, when you have those guys, some of those guys coming back, you know, after following up that championship season, you know, you kind of feel like you're going to get off to a good start. But it, it seemed like there was kind of some struggles early on in the season. Is that right? It was a good mix, but I think what you said rings true that, you know, sometimes when you have turners, that could be a good thing, but it can also, you know, might work against you sometimes. It kind of just depends on how the vibe of the team is. And like you said, I think the guys got off, first of all, they got off to a great start sweeping quad cities on the road, but then hit a bit of a dry spell, but be it, it was very cold. I mean, we had to go to Midland, uh, Great Lakes, play the loons, and I think it was an average of 31 degrees and Boy, the wind was blowing in, and Kevin Alcantara was playing uh, center field in the cold for the first time. You know, like you said, we had Pinyango, <laughs> and he was used to it from last year. But I don't know if you truly get used to playing in thirty degree weather when you're you know, not from that area. I mean, be it, even if you're from the states, if you're from Florida or Texas or California, that can be an adjustment too. So, no, I, I don't think the weather helped. And then, like you said, uh, after that sweep of quad cities, things went a little cold in April, but Hey, that's ball, you know, and things will happen. But at the same time, you know, guys that you talked about were called up pretty quick. I mean, Luke Little did not spend a lot of time in South Bend. Hayden McGeary did not spend a lot of time in South Bend. Neither did Cole Franklin and a few other guys too. So that early, you know, Bradley Beasley is a good example too. So that early team didn't really stick together. And, you know, in minor league baseball, that's what you want to see though. You want to see guys go to double a Tennessee and Excel. And especially a guy like McGeary did that, no doubt. Yeah, you, you talked about Beasley, McGeary, and a couple other guys, Carlos Guzman. And, you know, what causes the team to promote a, a player so early in a season when you look at those guys? I mean, they they they, they put them there. They say, okay, you're, you're in South Bend. But, you know, some of these guys, you know, I think like Cole was five starts. You know, a couple other guys were there for barely a month. Right. You know, Guzman is a name that you bring up. That was really enticing when he showed up because – I called Carlos Guzman as a member of the West Michigan Whitecaps my second year in 2019 and then last year uh, when he was a Whitecap too. So this is a guy that was at single A for a little while and of course got traded to the Cubs in the Zach McKinstry deal. And I like what he brought. I mean, he went from a starter to a late inning reliever and that guy's got some juice. So he's somebody I'd keep an eye on. But yeah, I think McGeary is an interesting case too, Crawley, because he got promoted to double A quicker than Matt Burvis did. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but at the same time, McGeary's consistency, it was Mervis-like for sure from 2022, but Merv, it took him a couple weeks to really become Merv. And, and from that point, of course, he was just home to the cows come home, right? McGeary started and from day one was just launching bombs. So <laughs> I don't know because a lot of people are going to compare McGeary to Merv. But again, Merv had the year that he did. And McGeary, you know, I think he ended a little bit colder. But man, from day one, when it was freezing cold outside, McGeary was just slugging. So that was well-deserved, no doubt. But I think people will forget, uh, as time goes on, that McGeary was promoted quicker than Matt Mervis. 
And he got a position change, right? Catcher to, to he did a lot more first, I think, in Tennessee. Right. And he's listed as a catcher. I believe he still is. At least he was mm-hmm. at the start of the year. The crazy thing about him is in college, he was a full-time DH. So he was drafted as a catcher. You can't get drafted as a DH. So you got to give somebody a position. So he only DH'd in college primarily. And he's the home run king uh, from his school. What What's crazy is he told me a story early in the year. I'll never forget it. That he hit, uh, I believe the number was 438 in his last year. And he also hit 400 plus in the year prior. I was like, okay, man, how the hell are you hitting 430 plus in back-to-back years in college? He goes, yeah, except the first year I kind of, st- I kind of ended cold. I was like, how do you hit 430 and end cold? <laughs> That's what he did. And, and the Cubs have had just spectacular, I'm not even calling it luck. Jed Hoyer and his team are pulling out 15, 15th round diamond jewels. Like it's their job. I mean, McGeary, B.J. Murray, Jared Young, uh, David Bodie, of course, was a third-day pick. Uh, I'm not sure if it was exactly 15th round, but he, he was a third-day pick. So the Cubs have had it, – it's not luck. It's it's skill at this rate, finding jewels late in the draft. Talking about finding jewels, you had some exciting names when when, when the season started. And, and obviously, you know, for me and a lot of other Cub fans, you know, the, the, the big marquee name was uh, Kevin Alcantara. Uh, the number two prospect for the Cubs. He played pretty much his whole season in South Bend and then joined the Smokies for the postseason run. Mm-hmm. What did you see out of the Jaguar in his time with the team? What didn't you see out of the Jaguar in South Bend? I mean, that that was fun. That was a lot of fun. And like you said, he went to double A to end the year. How about the Smokies winning the Southern League title with A, Ezekiel Pagan hitting seventh and Kevin Alcantara batting eighth? That's absurd. And then Andy Weber in the nine hole. I, you know, Webb's my boy. Uh, from the 2019 South Bend Cubs. So, yeah, but back to the Jaguar. Man, another guy that maybe people wrote off a little too early because, of course, there was a story midsummer of him dropping out of the top 100 in baseball. And we, you know, Max and I were looking at each other like, what the world's going on? Like, you can't discount a guy for struggling when it's cold. And yeah, I there were some arguments out there of, like, it wasn't actually cold. It was cold. <laughs> he, he, was playing, he was playing in 30 degree Midland, Michigan. And, you know, the ebbs and flows, you know, look, Crowley, we're, we're both from the great state of Illinois. You know how it goes, the ebbs and flows where it's not easy, where one day it's 60, the next day it's 30, then it's 40, then it's 50. It drops back down to 20. We saw a lot of that early in the year. So I don't think there was ever a real consistent time for Alcantara to get used to the environment. But man, once he got going, it, it, it was a spectacle, and especially mid-season, because you talked about it. He got hurt. He had that lower body injury, missed a couple weeks, came back. But around July, he started to really get comfortable with the strike zone. And the month of July was very kind to Alcantara because he had more walks that month than he had in the first half. And we're like, wow. okay, so here he comes. And I had got an opportunity to do a sit-down with him. And he graduated from the Cubs English as a Second Language program, which is uh, what a lot of guys take. And you know, a lot of guys' English has been benefited by that program. Alcantara said a line that I'll never forget. I, I forgot. I, maybe I was telling Lance Brozdowski this story from Marquis that 
Alcantara, I asked him, how much did it mean to you to graduate from the English as a second language program? And then he he went on a spiel. And then the next question I asked him was, why are you becoming a more patient hitter? He goes, well, I learned a lot learning English, patience, learning the language. And hmm. that patience, it, it, it didn't mean everything for him to becoming a more patient hitter and picking up more walks. But him learning English and kind of sticking with it and just lasering in allowed him to learn a lesson at the plate of waiting for his pitch. How cool is that? That's that, you know, that, that really truly is amazing. And as someone who teaches second language learners, it is, you know, just the, the fact he's able to put the two together. Is, it's just a, that's some pretty high, high end thinking right there on him. So it's, it, he's a guy that excites a lot of people. Now there's another top prospect, but I think sometimes people kind of, he gets lost in the shuffle because of his age and how young he's been. James Triantos, he was assigned, assigned to South Bend, but he was recovering still from a meniscus injury. So he missed that first month. How did Triantos do in your opinion in the, in, the, in his first season of high A ball? Would have loved to have him at first, but understand why they held him out. But yeah, it was around May 10th, May 11th, when he really started to get the leash taken off and, and get out there and play consistent games. I mean, at first he wasn't playing back-to-back days. Then it became, okay, can you play two in a row? Okay, can you play three in a row? Okay, can you play five out of six? Okay, can you play a whole series? And, and that was really the progression. So I think he might have been our most patient guy. And, and that's saying something because, you know, Hendrick Pinyango midway through the year had as many and then more walks than he did all last year. So that was some nice progression to see for him. I'm not sure, Crowley, if I've ever seen a 20-year-old command the strike zone just as Triantos did. And I think that comes from the mental skills department of what David De Silva do, uh, what David De Silva does, and what Javier uh, Guerrero does, the Cubs mental skills guys. Uh, they were with Triantos all the time. Whenever they made a trip to South Bend, they were having individual meetings. And I, I really think the Cubs organization, at least, Crowley, you know, I've been in South Bend since 2018. That was, of course, pre-COVID, and that was, of course, before Major League Baseball took over. What the Cubs have done with their mental skills department from 2018 to now, that might be the most impactful thing that I've seen, at least firsthand with my eyes, the organization do. And I think that's really having a positive impact on kids, Triantos included. Uh, The the Cubs really tested him uh, with his glove. I mean, he was out there, Crawley, every single day, 3 o'clock, working with bench coach D'Angelo Jimenez on his ground balls. And then, of course, to end the year, he was playing some center field. The guy never played center field a day in his life. <laughs> he was a great he was a great high school baseball player, and a lot of times the best high school players are the best athletes, and they can go out there and play any position. But, yeah, he was pitching. He was playing shortstop. He was playing second in high school. The guy never played center. And uh, could you imagine being a professional at what you do? Uh, I mean – Crawley, what what uh, what subjects do you teach? English is a second language in history. So okay, so if, if somebody asked you tomorrow to go teach chemistry, no, yeah, <laughs> no thanks. That's him going out to play center field, and and he looked a natural like it. So I, I was really impressed with Triantos. And and, and an, uh, another guy that we saw come back from injury later on in June was Ed Howard. I remember being down mm-hmm. in South Bend and talking to Ed, and he was so excited, you know, because his family was around and all that stuff. Then he had that horrible hip hip injury. How did he look to you after coming back? What a feel good story. I mean, Chicago kid, and Crowley. I'm I'm gonna go kind of like personal route here. I I don't always do that, but I, I thought Ed gets a a lot of too much dislike on social media, and 
like the word bust gets thrown around too much to me nowadays. And Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Ed Howard's still only 21 years old. Ed Howard, at this age, should still be in college. And when people ask me about Ed, I'll answer your question first of how good it was to see him back. Not only did he come back stronger, he came back leaner, he came back more athletic, which difficult to do for a guy that was already, already had some pretty good athleticism. Um, for me, Ed has missed two full years as a 21 year old. So think about it. He missed all COVID and he missed that entire year with a hip injury. So Ed as a 21 year old is as experienced as a 19 year old. That's a freshman in college. And, you know, a lot of times in, in baseball today, you see the flashiness of first round picks and you see guys like uh, signees, like Ellie De La Cruz go up to the big leagues and do what they did with the reds. And you see um, Jordan Walker do what do, uh you know, did what he did with the Cardinals. I think sometimes probably people just need to have a little bit more patience because man, for all the time that Ed missed and for what he had to go through with that injury and just the grueling rehab of it, the, the guy had to basically relearn how to walk and, and he's back out there a year and a month later playing baseball. So I have nothing but respect Crawley for Ed Howard. And I think he's going to be a great professional and ultimately big leaguer baseball player. Um, I, I'm excited about his future. He's got one of the best gloves at shortstop you're ever going to see. And um, I, again, I, I just think patience is, is the word that has to be used with Ed because again, of all the time he missed, he's still making that up. And I think next year is a massive year for him. And again, it's not always going to be linear for every Jordan walkers. There's going to be 10 guys that fail. And there's also going to be other guys that kind of take a more, winding path to the big leagues. You, you know, you just saw Justin Steele in the, you know, 2014 draft. 2014, right. you know. It takes, you know, some guys just to progress at different different levels, different things, and and injuries happen, and you never know. But, um, you know, let, let let us talk a little bit about some, some uh, you know, when you talk about splashy draft picks on May 9th, Kate Horton promoted from yeah. Myrtle Beach to South Bend, of course, right before I'm about to head down there. But – the 22 first round pick spent most of the season in South Bend. Um, then he moves up in August. He's pitching for Tennessee and helps them with their title run. What is it about Cade Horton that that is so special? Competitor, competitor. And I think he's going to fit right in with that big league rotation. I mean, you talk about how much Justin Steele puts his heart in the game. You talk about what Jordan Wicks showed and his time with the Cubs when he got called up. I mean, I hopefully next year, Jamison Tyone can rebound and, 
we'll see what happens with Marcus Stroman. But boy, there's there's a window right there for Kate Horton to just jump right in there and and go do what makes him regarded as one of the best right-handed pitching prospects in the game. And at Crawley, I think he's a guy where you can make a case that if you, if you argue that his fastball is his best pitch, and I argue that his changeup is, is his best pitch, and then two other people be like, no, I think his slider is his best pitch. And some other guy goes, no, I think his curveball is his best pitch. Everybody would have a point because I don't know if I've watched a prospect that has as lethal of a command of every single one of his pitches than Kate Horton. He can pull out fastball, curveball, slider, change in any count in any sequence, he can make you look silly in doing so. The change up to lefties, I can't wait to watch that at Wrigley, but you know, with, with guys swinging as aggressively as they are nowadays, boy, that slider breaking towards the outer half in the dust, that's going to make some big leaguers look silly. So uh, guys, a uh, professional, I know he just got engaged. Uh, still a young guy. I mean, heck, he's, I think he's only 22. And uh, yeah, I think I think Cubs fans have a, a right to be excited about this guy coming up because he's going to be special. Now, the first half saw South Bend go 30 to 35. But again, a lot of times what you're you're sometimes looking at is is the progression of some of these players as well. And then you, you tend to have some promotions, right, mm-hmm. After in, in, from the first half to the second half. And I did have a chance to go down to Myrtle Beach this year. And I, when I went down there, I'm saying, okay, who are the players that most pop out to me? And, and, and the four guys that, to me, really just I was, just impressed me so much, they all got the call up in the second half. That was Moises Ballesteros, uh, catcher, right? Um, and he plays some first base. Felix Stevens, Ooh. that guy was just gigantic. He was like Jorge <laughs> Soler-esque. Yeah. I was right behind home plate watching Michael Arias pitch to Moises Ballesteros. And, and I was like, who is this guy? And then Brody McCullough is another guy who made it up to there. I mean – those four guys, I mean, that had to have been fun in the second half to watch what they gave and contributed to the team in South Bend. We were really lucky, Crawley. I mean, I'll start with Ballesteros because as a 19-year-old left-handed bat, it's mystical when the guy pulls the ball and lifts it in the air. But I'm not sure if I've seen many 19-year-olds that can smack it the other way like him. And with all this shifting that is done in minor league ball, where basically if you face a lefty, the left side of the infield is automatically going to play up the middle. Ballesteros is like, thank you very much. I'm, I'm just going to take this fastball outside and tap it the other way. Maybe not half, but a good quarter, third of his base hits were just laced lighters in the left. Like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Like, I'll, I'll take first base. Stevens, uh, yeah, all the home runs he hit, I mean, he had some mammoth shots. I remember a 473-footer <laughs> dead center at Four Winds Field. He had a 470-footer in Beloit that like went deep into the night sky. There's a there's actually in Beloit, there's a little creek that flows beyond left field of the stadium. And uh to the left of the creek is Illinois, and to the right of the creek is Wisconsin. And he was like, Okay, I'm gonna hit this one in the state of Illinois so far, you're not gonna be able to find this. It went over the creek, it went into the forest. Oh, uh Jesus. I'll I'll never forget his 25th home run that he hit in total because again, he had uh, 14 or so in Myrtle beach. And then he hit his 25th of the season in South Bend, huge shot into the home run porch and left, which I know you have hung out there many times in the, in the Tiki hut, but he guys started crying around the base, base basket. 
He was crying as he touched first base, then second, then 30. He gave a high five to Lance Rommel, went back in the dugout. Tears are flowing down his face. And Max and I are like, is everything okay? Like, he just said a home run, Felix. And, and we went in and asked him after the game. He set a preseason goal of hitting 25 home runs. And that's how much it meant to him. The guy was crying going around uh, the bases. So, yeah, I think those are some exciting names to keep an eye on. Uh, Brody McCullough, great changeup. I'm excited for his future. Unfortunately, he got hurt at the end of the year. So hopefully he's okay. That was in the second to last series in Fort Wayne. And, yeah, Michael Arias, boy, what an arm. And, uh, you know, that's a former shortstop. I I've always said about Arias that he looks like, well, kind of like we talked about with Triantos earlier, Arias looks like the best player on a high school, on a high school baseball team where he doesn't look like a pitcher. He doesn't look like a shortstop. He doesn't look like a center fielder. He is like in football. When uh, somebody has a position of ATH, it's just athlete. That, that's what Michael Arias is former shortstop of the blue Jays. And then got picked up by the Cubs and became a pitcher. Once that dude finds command and finds a routine of working that he can stick with, that's going to be fun. And whether it's a starter, whether it's a reliever, I mean, I, you know, I always said that I thought Braylon Marquez was going to end up being uh, an oldest Chapman, and that seems like the path that he's on now, unfortunately, due to injury. But, you know, Michael Arias, I, Carly, I don't want to face that guy in the first inning. I sure as hell don't want to face him in the ninth <laughs> inning. His stuff, he's already throwing 100 MPH as a starter. Him in the ninth inning, could you 102, 103 coming at you? Good luck. Unreal. I, I, like I said, he just, you know, when all of a sudden you hear it hit the mitt, I was just, that was just like head turning for me. Yeah. And then, you know, you got one last big promotion. That was Matt Shaw, who, who, you know, he was uh, with South Bend for about a month and then he goes to Tennessee. I mean, when you think about all, you know, I, I talked to Mick Gillespie about the championship team and, and he was just like, there was just a squad of South Bend guys that come up and the next thing you know, you know, they're, they're in the lineup and they're, they're playing important games, you know, to win the championship. I mean, unreal. Yeah. That was a fun day when you get a package deal. Of course you said Matt Shaw and then Josh Rivera came up too, the Florida kid, uh, third rounder. So that was a fun day when, Max and I get to the ballpark. We go down, see the lineup, see the transactions. We're like, okay, we're going to see uh, Matt Shaw and Josh Rivera up the middle. Sounds good. And, uh, and talked with Josh. They had known of each other, but they never met, which is kind of funny. They played at you know, powerhouse schools, Shaw to Maryland, Rivera out of Florida, You know, two programs with some history. And uh, again, never met each other, heard of each other, and now they're teammates. And uh, yeah, I mean, Shaw... Crawley, it was one of those things when he wasn't hitting 400, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> because, <laughs> Is he all right? <laughs> yeah, he's like, because he started hitting like 650, and then he went into the 500s, then he stayed in the 400s for uh, about a week and a half, and then finally one day he was hitting 390. And that, If it's possible where 390 feels cold, that's that's where we were with Matt Shaw. Uh, first base hit a triple off the right center field wall. Uh, Max had a great call of it. Um, he had another triple that was ripped up the right field line, game tying base hit um, against Cedar Rapids, uh, and he he runs the bases a little PCA like, kind of kind of angry. Ooh. Runs the bases <laughs> angry, which I'm a big fan of. I don't know if he's as fast as PCA, but he he um, he runs the bases like you just took his wallet from him and you're and he's chasing you. Uh, th that type of angry. So that's I think All it's right. base if it's possible. If he has an underrated part of his game, it might be his base running.
Wow. Okay, so there's 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 a lot there, and, and and you know I know that you guys had such a blast calling the the championship game in 2022. How mm-hmm. enjoyable was it for you to kind of see a lot of those players from that 2022 team go on to and 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 players also that played this year in 2023 all go up together and 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 help the Smokies win a championship? That has been special to you to see that with some of those guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously excitement, but not going to lie, a little bit of FOMO. I wanted to be down there with the guys and, and party with them. I mean, got so used to partying with those guys. I mean, heck, you know, half of that team was 2019 South Bend Cubs, you know, Andy Weber and, um, you know, Cole Roeder and others. And, uh, and then a lot of them were 2022 guys. So, yeah, I think about a guy like Cole Franklin, you know, that's Cole's uh, third ring in the org already. Um, yeah, for Caleb Knight, that's actually his fourth ring because he's got a Eugene ring, two South Benders, and now a Tennessee ring. So, I mean, Niner is going to be like showing up to parties like this with, with four fingers. He's turning into Tom Brady. What do you get? One for the thumb, right? That's what you know, he needs? One for the thumb. So, yeah, no, seriously, though. Um, you know, to see OC go back-to-back on titles, you know, Jordan Wogu's in that conversation, too. A lot of these guys going back-to-back when they're just 21, 22 years old. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a very fine line because, for one – you don't want to get cocky, but two, uh, South South Bend minor leaguers are winning rings like it's nobody's business, and they're going to get to the big leagues with these rings. And listen, w- winning a World Series, and I'm just projecting here because I've never been part of anything like that, but I'm sure winning a World Series is a different story than winning a Midwest League or Southern League championship. But the ingredients needed for locking in and doing so have to be the same. And I'm sure if, you know, you ask a Ben Zobers that, or if um, you ask a Joe Madden that question, I'm sure they would say something along those lines of learning how to win in the minor leagues is only going to help you as you get to the big leagues. Absolutely. You know, BK, you know, it, it, it just because, you know, there's no more minor league baseball doesn't mean things aren't going down in South Bend because there's always a party in South Bend and, you guys always have so many fun things throughout the year. I just wanted to let our listeners know that Saturday, October 21st is the Michiana Festival of Beers. Did I pronounce that right? Michi- yeah, Michiana. Michiana. Michiana Festival of Beers. Yeah. I mean, that that to me, you know, anytime you can mix, you know, minor league ballparks and beer is going to be a fun time. So that's coming up on October 21st. And for anyone that wants a unique experience, Cops and Goblins, 20, that's going to be uh, Tuesday, October 24th mm-hmm. from 5 to 730. So if people are interested, uh, they can go to the South Bend website and check it out. And, uh, you know, like I said, South Bend is just a beautiful, beautiful ballpark that you guys got at Four Winds. And, and you know, just uh, I, you know, you guys always have fun stuff going on. And I think people should check it out. Always. Yeah. Actually, the Cops and Goblins event that you just brought up, that is a free trick-or-treating event for everybody. So Dress up, bring the kids, and uh, the South Bend Police Department teaming up with the South Bend Cubs, Stu and Swoop, for uh, passing out some free candy. So, uh, Carly, I think you're too big of a kid for that, but if uh, you want to bring your kids on, we'd uh, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I think the beer fest is more my my speed, but I, you know what? <laughs> yeah. wherever, wherever, whatever it is, man, you know I'll be around. BK, I appreciate you jumping on and talking South Bend Cubs. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to getting back to Four Winfields next season. You got it, Curly. Hey, I want to give a shout out. Jordan Galligan getting married this weekend. My pledge brother. He's a Cardinals fan. Can't do anything about that, but we'll get him along someday. I promise. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Curly.